Hey everyone, my name is Ken Torres. I am the host of Enter the Dark. This is a new show that is coming to the Paranormal King Radio Network on the second and fourth Tuesdays of the month. Join me as I interview the best in the paranormal, and we're going to talk about many different things. Also, along combined with my 15 plus years of experience, it's going to be nice to compare notes. So please, tune in. Paranormal King Radio Network. Well, hey, good evening, everyone. Uh, thank you uh, for tuning into the show. I am your host, Ken Torres, and you are now listening to Enter the Dark. Also, I do have my wonderful co-host, Dalton Harold, with me on the line. And so tonight, we wanted to do something a little different. We wanted to get more viewer engagement, more interaction from our chat group. And, and more importantly, we wanted to talk about uh, different topics on the paranormal. I don't know how far... We are going to get into certain topics, but uh, we're just going to try to spread some knowledge and some information and some maybe some, some do's and don'ts on, on the paranormal and all these different trends. Uh, also, uh, we are probably going to just go ranting off like we normally do, and I hope people can hear us. Hey, Dalton, how are you doing, brother? What's going on, man? Oh, oh I'm doing pretty good. How are you? Doing good, man. It's been a few days. How are you feeling, man? Uh, I'm feeling a lot better, a lot better. Okay, okay. Well, I know. About a week ago. <laughs> well, that's good, man. That's good because uh, to, if if tonight is if the day the time to feel better is tonight, so I wanted to talk to you. You know, just like how we always do, like our open discussion. You know, we we like to rant off, right? So what I want to talk about tonight is all these different trends and all these do's and don'ts and all of these people that are world renowned and their abilities and. All that good stuff. So, but first on the agenda, demonic possession and exorcisms. What's your take on that, man? Uh, I want to hear your opinion. I want to hear what your thought process is. And so that way we can go from there. Yeah, well, obviously, uh, demonic possessions and exorcisms, I believe, are occurring more and more frequently uh, due to the times that we're living in. People are uh, basically able to, uh, how do I really put this, uh, become possessed. A lot easier um you have technology now that can be used in a very negative way um and, and i think a lot of demonic possessions can come through from that but also people are willing to experiment more with occultism because the knowledge is so easily accessible through the internet um so more people are going to be experimenting with different things uh, in the occult supernatural stuff um, and that could also open up a door to uh, potential possession yeah, no, I mean, I agree. You know, uh, the interwebs is so vast, man. We've got so much knowledge, so much information that is available to us. <clears throat> and I want to point this out to the audience, okay? Occultism, right? Occultism is the study of the unknown arts or or, or pagan arts or, or things that are not uh, strictly <clears throat> considered to be Christian. But there is a difference between studying the occult and there is a difference between practicing the occult and so i want to let people know that there is a big difference in that um i do believe that because of today's society and what we're living in all the turmoil all the depression this whole pandemic we definitely are seeing a surge in in, in demonic possession but 
you know, as clergy myself, I have to sit back and I have to analyze these things as well because, well, demonic possession is one thing. It's extremely rare, but there is this thing that's called oppression, uh, right? So oppression, there's different stages, but there is the oppression and there is the obsession. And so what I think I'm seeing a lot is more of the obsession uh, when it comes to demonic possession. People are wanting to be possessed by the demon. People are wanting to go out and reach out to these different unknown sources. They want to go to TikTok and they want to see people get possessed. And I caution people on that because when you're dealing with the occult and when you're dealing with the supernatural and occultism, there are many factors to consider, right? Uh, first of all, you have to consider, are you well trained enough to deal with these types of I guess, occurrences. Uh, are you a novice? Are you an amateur? There's many different factors that, that that entail, you know, trying to work within the occult and practice the occult. So if you want to study the occult, it's one thing. I myself, I've got different books, right? You know, I have to I have to ascertain certain knowledge and information from different people from around the world, different belief systems, get to know their cultures. Uh, so I know of the occult and I study the occult in the sense of I need to know what I'm dealing with, but I do not practice it. And so I want to cautious pe I want to caution people on practicing uh, the occult. And so with that, you know, we're going to lead back to to Dalton because I know he's got some other things to say. Uh, we do want to go in depth on you know, these trends also that we are seeing. Dalton, I mean, what, what what's going on, man? What, what is it that you're seeing out there? Well, I'm definitely seeing a, a, a repeated pattern here of people who are not ordained and do not have, uh, you know, the means or the training form exorcisms, but yet they are. Um, that They want to play the hero. Um, okay. There's an issue with that because some of these people, most of them, um, who are either not ordained by the church or not gifted in that aspect to do it, or those people who just don't have the training are going out and performing these exorcisms. Whenever you're, whenever you're performing an exorcism or, or you believe that you're going to, um, the first step, you need to interview the person who is claiming to be possessed or showing signs of possession. From there, you get a mental evaluation and a physical evaluation to rule out any and all physical um, health issues and mental health issues. If you don't do that, yep. how do you know that the person is truly possessed? There are mental illnesses that can look on the outside as if a person is possessed when they're really not. Um, there are many different things to take into consideration here. And if you skip those two steps, the physical and the mental, you're not doing your job properly and you're putting the person who is supposedly possessed in much greater danger. And people don't realize I, 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 that people have been killed during exorcisms. Yeah. I mean, Watch we, you know, we, yes, yes, uh, because there is a book that I ended up getting. Uh, it is from Katie Boyd, and uh, basically it's called uh, Demons and uh, Devils and Demonology in the 21st Century. And so I was looking through all of these books, and there is at least maybe five or six cases where we've seen people try to perform exorcisms on people, and they've killed them. And as a matter of fact, uh, I was it was interesting going through this book because there was one instance where I believe it was a mother who tried to exorcise her child because she had a demon on her, but it turned out the mom was high on crystal meth. So, and that child you know, was five years old. And that child was five years old. Uh, you know, the whole thing is, 
I think TV has, you know, has done a great job and a tremendous job with, you know, exposing the paranormal and exposing the the supernatural, which is which is a good thing. You know, the the, the paranormal field is a, is a field of science, right? And and what I've seen is that many people treat this as a field of religion. It shouldn't be a religious system. It is a science, right? It is changing every day. And so what that entails is you have to know what you're doing. You have to know what you're talking about. And so I do agree with you. You have to be gifted in the sense where you have to have the spirit of discernment. You have to have understanding. And it has to be a a true calling. Um, Now, when it comes to the ordination part, I do believe, I do believe that, you know, in, in, in my belief system as a Christian, you know, we are all called, you know, to be ministers and priests, you know, on behalf of the Lord. We are, we are called to put hands and lay hands on the sick, right? But that also means that you have to be spiritually right and you have to know what you're doing. You have to have that key thing, discernment. Discernment is one of the most important things that you need to have, especially when you're trying to do uh, some things in, in this field. Um, and so with that, the basic steps, you always have to get medical uh, advice, right? I don't care who you are. I, I don't care who you are. I, I don't care how many TV shows you have. I don't care how many books you've written or how many books you've read. You have to go through the process. You have to make sure that the client does get a physical and mental evaluation, and you have to make sure that you rule everything naturally out. And it's at that time when that things that are unexplained, and then that's where the clergy comes in. Um, I am, I am, I am really a big opponent of people just throwing the title exorcist around or, um, you know, a a spiritual deliverance. You know, I'm finding this trend that there are other people who don't have the same Christian belief system and there's nothing wrong. We have a lot of friends that have different belief systems, pagan, Wiccan, and I love them and I adore them and they are intelligent in their own ways. Right. Uh, and even they know. But I've come across people that are like, well, I don't believe in God. I don't believe in demons and and I don't believe in angels, but yet they're somehow freaking exorcist and they're demonologists or, you know, they get to travel the world a little bit and all of a sudden they're world renowned and, and the people buy into this garbage and you're putting other people's lives at risk. And, and I hate that. I hate the fact that, you know, this whole thing when it comes to, you know, the, the ministry of exorcism, the ministry of spiritual deliverance, it's become a game to people. It's become a game in the sense where everybody thinks they know everything. They watch a couple of TV shows or, oh, yeah, I can identify the five different stages, oppression, manifestation, infestation, all that stuff. But that doesn't mean anything, you know, and, and, and so that's that's my two cents, um, you know, so <laughs> we'll, we'll leave it at that. What else you got, brother? Well, uh, I do want to kind of go back here uh, a little bit, and then I also want to touch on the whole ordination thing as well. But, you know, there is – I recently encountered a situation, Kenneth, you already know the full extent of it. Uh, of course, I can't go into full detail with it, but um, there was a person uh, working with a exorcist, a person who was claiming to be an exorcist. I did some research on him, and he is not a part of any church. Um, he is ordained online. Uh, pay twenty dollars to get his ordination, um, and that was it. And now somehow he's uh, ordained minister, is performing exorcisms. That's absurd. Okay. Um, well, let's di- let's dissect it. Yeah. Well, after after you're saying what you're saying, let's let's dissect that a little bit. Okay. Um, this person is not requesting any 
physical evaluations or mental evaluations whatsoever. The person tells them they're possessed and he performs an exorcism, not knowing what kind of physical issues they're dealing with as far as, you know, their physical health or what type of mental issues that they're dealing with. You know, they could be having, you know, a, a manic episode, not possession. They could have schizophrenia, not possession. They could have bipolar yeah. disorder. It needs to yeah. be, uh, you know, viewed thing medical before you look at it. As oh, you still there? You broke up a little bit uh, before the supernatural part. You broke up a little bit. Oh, uh, I was just saying that. Look at this as a medical standpoint first through a medical. Yeah. Themselves. If you're if you're not if you haven't went to college. Yeah. You need to have a medical. Was another issue. No, I. I they were, they, they no, were I, asking medical questions, but do they really know what the answers to those questions? Do they know what to look for? No, they don't. Unless they're. Yeah. You're breaking up a little bit, but I, 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 I get what you're saying. Uh, I, I do love the fact that, you know, at least here within the foundation and, and within our own paranormal teams, that we. Uh, we have psychologists and we have doctors that are readily available that have experience within this thing. And, and I, and I want to dissect the, the whole ordination thing, right? So, um, it, you know, it's come to my attention in the past where there are people that get the ordinations online and, and, and look, I, I'm not casting any judgments against you. That's, that's, that's not my place to judge you. I believe that in your heart, if you're called to that ministry and, and you pay for that ordination and you believe in your mind and your heart that that's truthful to you, then that's fine. It's not my place to judge you. But what I do recommend is that you at least have some understanding and some training in what it is and what field that you're doing. I do believe that we are all called to the priesthood. I do believe that in the essence, the true essence, I really do believe that we don't really need to have an official ordination or accreditation. Uh, these are just man-made things. However, however, with that being said, though, I do think that education is is one of the most important things, um, you know, and, and so we go back to this situation that, uh, you know, that you encountered. Um, and, and it's unfortunate that there are people out there that are just using these titles and throwing these different things around. I personally uh, have never met such individual uh, that you're talking about, uh, but I will give him the benefit of the doubt that at one point in time, uh, they were doing it for the right reasons. And that's all I can say because I don't know. You know, the biggest thing is like intention, right? Intention is everything. Uh, if you're trying to help people out and you're doing the best that you can, that's important. But you really, you really have to be really careful and you have to be, you have to be really cautious. Um, and, you know, so, you know, education. And so when I talk about education, uh, my whole thing is, um, uh, Yes, there is education out there. There is knowledge out there. You can literally take classes on demonic profiling, uh, and you can take classes on identifying demons and identifying <clears throat> what these uh, activity or phenomena is. But what I do think is that people get confused is that once they take that training, they think that they're learning how to be such said profession. So you can take these courses, but it doesn't mean that you're an exorcist. Um, for me personally, uh, I am a 
assistant chief exorcist with the Solomon and Quarter of St. Michael. I grew up uh, in church. Uh, I grew up Baptist and Pentecostal. I grew up in spiritual deliverance. Uh, I went to college. I got a degree in counterterrorism. I also went to seminary school, and I'm still taking seminary courses on my chaplaincy. Uh, and even when it comes to like the exorcism, there's books. There's certain books that you need. These are the rights. And these rights are only acceptable. Well, well, technically, the rights are only for priests, for clergy. But now anybody can go ahead and buy these rights online. Uh, and so when you buy these rights, you know, you have to understand that once you're doing this, you're going into a spiritual warfare. Yes, you can be a demonologist, uh, Melissa. You can be a demonologist. Um, you can be a demonologist and you can ascertain the information and the knowledge to help combat evil. Uh, I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with that. And, and I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with how people do things, you know, how they choose to take their route. But it is from my honest experience, you know, having been around the world and, and, and dealing with these things for over 15 years is that you need to have some good, strong spiritual backing and you have to have some knowledge. You got to make sure you got to make sure this is the calling, you know, because now we have all these people that are on TV and, you know, they're they're exorcists, right? They're exorcists. And so they go around and they charge an, uh, a nominal fee for you to go ahead and get exercised. Um, Case in point, one client that I was dealing with, uh, we had to terminate the case uh, for whatever reason, but this client was suffering what is extreme psychological illness. It was ascertained later in the interview that this client was diagnosed double schizophrenic. Now, I'm going to say this, just because you have a mental illness, it doesn't negate the activity that you're experiencing, but it does help us understand the underlying issues, and it does help us understand how we need to approach this. Uh, because the biggest thing is that I've seen what other teams do is they go in and they and they they go in and they do these cases, right? And they say, oh, it's a demon, right? And so now this person is suffering through what would be maybe a regular paranormal event or maybe just something that can easily be debunked. And so what has happened now is that other individual has created another motive, another uh, another mindset uh, in the sense of, okay, well, now, shoot, okay, I thought I was just dealing with the poltergeist, but now I have 2,500 demons in my house, and that's another layer of stress. And so when you add that other level of you, when you add the other layer and level of stress, what ends up happening is that's going to weigh down on the individual with the uh, with the untreated psychological illness, with the underlying issues. And then now what you can do is you can actually put that person and have them go through some sort of psychosis. And then what can also happen is you can now potentially lead them to a full on demonic possession because now they're completely opened. And And, and that's my two cents on that. Um, I, I would like to touch on ordination real quick because that was another thing that I'd like to talk about. Um, yeah. I want to ask you, uh, Ken, what, do, what does an ordination signify to you? So for me, an ordination, I'll, I'll, I will be honest with you. To me, an ordination doesn't signify anything to me on, on the physical realm. What an ordination does in the sense of, of the backing of an institution is that that institution has vetted you uh, to be a clergy. Um, and so there is um, a misconception out there, right? There's this Universal Life Church, right? Universal Life Church, and there is the monastery. So the monastery 
the individual used to be part of Universal Life Church. And then what they ended up doing is they moved to Washington State. And so now they offer online ordination. It is not the same, and it's not actually accredited in the state of California. So Universal Life Church headquarters, which is uh, the institution that backs my order, is an actual brick-and-mortar facility here in California that provides services that actually has a seminary. So those are two different things. And so ordination to me means uh, that uh, you have some backing of a religious institution. But, you know, let's be honest, though. Um, I, I know many people— that are really filled with the spirit of God and have really good discernment. And, and they don't have an official ordination in the sense of anything, you know, they, they do this because, you know, they love God and because they genuinely want to help people. So, and, and so that's my two cents on, on the ordination to me. Um, I think it's a double sided sword, a uh, double edged sword, so to speak, because I do think that once you go out there and you tell people that you're ordained, uh, people are going to look at you like, ha, whatever, you know, which is why I don't really tell people that I'm ordained. You know, I, I, I practice my religious studies on the side with a different organization, uh, another combat veteran, uh, and we have an international order of, of clergy. And so within our order, there are eight people and all of these people, uh, you have to be vetted. Uh, you have to go through the process. You have to show credentials of ministry. You have to show credentials of some type of theological uh, background training. Uh, you have to have been a member of a church for a certain amount of time. You have to have a letter of good character or a letter of good reference uh, saying that, yes, uh, this individual is who they say they are. And then that's how you can become a part of our order. But uh, in the other sense is... I think ordination is being tossed around like candy now. Now everybody and their mother is ordained. And so once again, I'm not casting judgment. Uh, I, I do believe that if you are doing this for the right reasons, that's okay. But I do want to say the monastery, which is Universal Life Church headquarters up in Washington and online, is completely different than Universal Life Church headquarters. Two different things. Uh, my ordination and my credentials are guaranteed and backed by the state of California. They allow me to perform weddings and ministerial services in the state of California and other services. The ordination from the monastery, uh, some states have different requirements, but the monastery certificate uh, from the monastery.com or .org, those are not legitimate ordinations. So if you're going to perform any, um, if you're going to perform any any uh, activity as a clergy, just make sure that your state recognizes that uh, that ordination. Uh, because here's the issue: with the ordination being backed by an official, an official brick and mortar facility, an official institution, a religious institution, uh, carries a lot more weight because they have vetted you. And so, like for example, I have a letter of good standing and good character, morale, and all that. And so it it releases you of all liability. Uh, not like the same with the monastery completely different things yeah um I, i'm i'm gonna explain this in a, lo a lot shorter than what you did mine's not as as deep um yeah but to me in ordination is simply basically a, a proof of your faith something that you can yep. ordain that signifies your faith um that's what it should represent now today i, I wouldn't necessarily believe that because like you said they're being tossed around every Everyone yeah. seems to sustained. Um, the the issue that I do have with that is that anybody, anyone, can become ordained yeah. through that website. Yeah. Uh, yep. You, you could literally be a, a devil worshiper and get ordained to perform exorcisms. Why would you want to do that? I don't know. Um, but yeah. I mean, 
you could. They don't vet you. They don't ask what your religious background is. They don't ask you to to go to seminary or anything like that. You pay your twenty dollars and they mail you a certificate, and that's it. Yeah. Um, now yeah. they're offering like what is it a bachelor's degree in psychology or something like that? They're offering degrees that you can also oh. pay dollars for, or, or maybe that's a different okay. web I'm thinking of. But yeah, yeah, maybe. Well, you know, uh, so the thing with that is I, I've seen what you're talking about, too. Uh, like there are certain uh, programs, uh, for example, <clears throat> my uh, the affiliated uh, organization that I'm with as well, uh, Universal Life Church headquarters, they offer, they offer certificates. Right. And I'm going to say this firsthand right off. I, I don't believe uh, that. <clears throat> You know those those training certificates that they provide are going to be sufficient enough. Uh, what those courses that they are offering is like um, Dalton said, it's a testament to your faith, and it's something that they've developed within their own organization. And once again, it is accredited through that organization, and it's it is accepted in the state of California as as a training requirement, but. That's not that's not the same thing as it being accepted nationally worldwide as an actual college degree or, or accreditation. Uh, and so I've seen that. I've seen the courses where, you know, you pay one hundred and fifty bucks uh, and you study for six months and you take a two hundred question multiple answer test. And from there, they're like, cool, you've passed your test. You know, da da da. Here you go. I am not down with that. I am not down with that. Um, you know, that is the one thing that I do believe that if you're going to go and you're going to get a proper education in psychology. It takes time. It, it takes time. And yeah, uh, Nicole, yeah, we see your questions. Sorry, we're just ranting off here. We're going to get to the questions here pretty soon. It's just Dalton and I are just uh, are just ranting off. You know, we're talking about the different inconsistencies uh, that we see throughout this field. Um, and 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 the biggest thing is we've we've had this conversation many a times. And it's the whole exorcism and the demonologist and all that stuff. And once again, there are people out there that have great uh, experience. They have—I I hate to sound repetitious—they have uh, a good what you may call it. Um, they have a good heart in the sense that they want to help people, but many times they go about it the wrong way. So, point case in blank: whenever you're going to do any type of demonic uh, case. Or even with the regular client, right? And that leads us back to our regular cases. What do we do, Dalton, with our regular cases, even if it's not demonic? Let's start from there. We, well, we would still ask for a physical uh, evaluation, a mental evaluation. But of course, before we... And why do you think that is? To eliminate any physical causes or mental issue or mental health issues. Yeah. No, that's so. true. That is true. I mean, and you have to. I mean, and that's the biggest thing, right? So let's say, for example, if you are running a team, you know, you can run the team how you see fit. But I implore the team members or the team leader to make sure that you always make sure that you get the underlying issues first. And you want to you want to rule out the normal activity before you rule it paranormal. Uh, many times uh, in, in, in my experience is. Uh, we have been able to debunk, so to speak, uh, this phenomenon with a video call. Uh, we understand that there's underlying issues. We have an extensive questionnaire that's about 10, 50, about 10 pages, and we get deep and personal. And so to many people, that seems like it may be overkill, but these forms have been developed by our psychologists and by our doctors. And that's how we ascertain whether or not too, the person really needs help. Uh, if you really 
are going through some type of paranormal activity, if you're going through some type of trauma in a sense, you would have no problem filling out those forms. Because as a matter of fact, the Catholic Church will make you do the same thing. The Catholic Church, we will send you to a psychologist and we will send you to a physical doctor and you will have to do an MMPI. Uh, MMPI is one of those personality quizzes as well. Uh, and so you do your MMPI, and then you sit down with the psychologist and you answer these questions that you've answered on your MMPI, and then you go from there. And so it's really important. It is really, really important to, to, to do these types of things. Um, let's see. Uh, let's go to the questions real quick because uh, we've been ranting on for a while, and, and I love it. <laughs> what else do you have to say, brother? I know you wanted to talk some more. Uh, no, that, I mean, that pretty much wrapped up everything I wanted to say about that topic. Uh, I would like to add yeah. one, one last thing, though. Um, send it, send it. Because you can perform an exorcism does not mean you should. Um, if, if you don't have the proper training or the proper credentials, you shouldn't be involved with it. Um, there are people who shouldn't be exorcists. There are people that shouldn't be spiritual deliverance ministers. And I hate yeah. to say but I'm going to say it anyway. If you want to send me some hate mail, I'll give you my email later. Some people <laughs> investigators. I mean, let's yeah. be honest. They have absolutely no business in the field. Yeah. Well, yeah, just like uh, our director, Chris McKinnell, says, I mean, just because you can do something doesn't mean you should be doing it. Just because you can become a doctor doesn't mean you should be a doctor. Uh, those are two different things. I mean, the whole biggest thing is, like, with this paranormal field, um, I, I love that, you know, we are getting a lot more exposure uh, and that's a really great thing. But with that come with that exposure, obviously there comes some negative uh, side effects. Um, all right, let's see, let's see, let's see, let's see. Um, okay, okay, going back to the question. Sorry about that, folks. Nicole, why is it that women and children t tend to get more possessed than men? All right, so to answer that question, I will give you uh, my personal experience. Uh, I, I wouldn't be able to tell you in the sense that I, I do think that uh, – Women uh, in general and children, they are a lot more vulnerable. See, the mother has the maternal instinct. The mother is the protector. The mother is 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 the guardian, the protector of the child, and and the man's job, and 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 in that estosteric or that old you know belief system, the man provides uh, for the family. Uh, but I think it's quite opposite. I've seen uh, more men possessed. Uh, you know, by by this phenomenon more than women and children, uh, because there is such a heavy burden on the man to to perform and provide for the family. And no one ever sits down and asks, hey, dad, how are you doing? Or, hey, pops, how are you doing? How was your day at work? You know, as men, uh, from my perspective, we are expected to perform and we are expected to provide. And that can be uh, really strenuous on your body, on your mind and on your soul. And so I do think it's the opposite. I have seen more possession in males than I have with women and children. Uh, and that's just my personal opinion. Uh, I, I might be wrong. Hell, I, I may be completely wrong. But these are just experiences and this is just information that I'm passing you from what I've experienced. And I'd love to hear what the audience has to say. I'd, I'd love to see what, what the viewers have, have to talk about. Uh, if they have any other questions, what's that? <clears throat> For me, um, I would pretty much agree with you. Uh, I've definitely seen more males get possessed than females, but again, maybe we're wrong, but I would like to add another um, point here. Uh, if we are wrong, the only reason, one of the only other reasons that I can imagine that to be is because women are more spiritual um, and kids would be more vulnerable. Um, Amen. That, that's pretty much 
all that I can really add to what you've already said. Everything else I pretty much agree with. Um, yeah. But again, I've definitely seen more males get possessed than females. Yeah. Yeah, Carlos, I agree. More males do drink and do drugs. And, and, and unfortunately, I think that goes with, you know, the, the expectation of what society has imposed on the man. The man's job is to provide for the family. He's supposed to provide the bread and butter. He wakes up early in the morning and he goes out. And and by no means, this is, this is not a discredit to single moms. Uh, I grew up, uh, you know, raised by a single mom. My grandmother raised five kids by herself. Wonderful, strong woman. Uh, and I saw her go through a lot of the same things that a lot of males go through as well. But, you know, we're just talking about, you know, what society has imposed. And I agree with you, Carlos. Uh, I agree with you. I I agree with you. Um, more males do drink and, and do drugs. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Let's see. Uh, what's the next question? Oh, King, he said something good. Is the motivation for these people strictly financial? 100%. I agree with you. Uh, you know what? And I'm probably going to get a hate mail, but Bob Larson. Jeez, Louise. <laughs> Bob Larson is one of those guys that he has given himself this name and this title, and all of a sudden, boom, you know, he's an exorcist. But I tell you what, if you need help, all you just got to do is give him a small donation of $1,000, and he'll get those demons rid from you. I might be wrong. I might be wrong. But we have had people that have worked with this such individual and, you know, the success rate has been zero to none. Um, and they still come to us, uh, which is another thing, uh, cleanup. So, you know, when it comes to these types of uh, phenomenon activity, uh, the foundation, especially Dalton and I and, and the rest of the team members, we have to do a lot of cleanup work. We do clean up on these individuals that come in and they start labeling things demonic right away. And so what ends up happening is now they come into the house, they do an investigation, and they're dealing with something that they have no knowledge of that's out of their comfort zone or even with not even within their abilities. And now they're like, hey, OK, all right. See you later. Bye. You've got a demon. You better deal with it yourself. Come on, man. You know, <laughs> don't don't no, don't do that. Just don't do that. <laughs> well, uh, I, I would like to say this, too. Um, you know, with, with the cases that we get through the foundation, you know, how many of them would you say that are based on demonic, not actually truly demonic, but have some sort of negative aspect to them? What percent? 0.1%, 0.1%, 0.1%, 0.1%, if even that, I, I would say at least one. That we get come in that are claimed to be yeah. demonic, not actually demonic. Oh, none, none. I have the 25 cases that you and I have worked on this past year, we have found no demonic, uh, you know, backing in the sense of there's actual demonic activity going on. What we have found is that there is an obsession with the occult and that there is an obsession with wanting to be possessed. But once we identify those underlying issues and we go through the different motions and we ask different questions in a certain way, we come to find out that there is nothing demonic about that case at all it's just an individual who has suffered a trauma that is doing self-manifestation which is another thing uh, let's talk about how self-manifestation can can potentially lead to believe someone is possessed you can start dalton uh yeah well um i actually want to go back to this real quick and and that's gonna i guess kind of flow into that but yeah you know, the, the people who claim to have demonic activity you know 
even when it's not, they believe it's demonic because they've either read somewhere that it is or another team has come in and deemed it to be demonic and they left them. Um, yeah. People who are not qualified to give any advice. The people who are only qualified to flip burgers at McDonald's. Sorry, not sorry. Um, yeah. Whenever they are given the idea, when they're told or where they read or hear or whatever, they get that idea put in their head and then all of a sudden their life is in danger. Even yeah. whenever they're not truly experiencing something demonic. Yeah. Whenever that happens, uh, a person's mind begins to race. A person begins to wonder, is is this actually going on? Is it really happening? How much worse could it get? And then they start manifesting things of their own. Um, things yeah. that the actual activity that is there, which is probably a human spirit, um, they're, they're beginning to create their own activity. They're beginning to see objects move because they are making it happen subconsciously. Um, Excuse me. The mind is extremely powerful. Um, yeah. Psychics, you know, they can they can make objects move that are under glass. Um, you know, we, we've both seen people do that to move paper. Yes. Uh, uh, glass yes. Or whatever. Or to yes. Literally make something light on fire. Um that's that psychic energy. That's that's the power that they have. Um, if a person well, look at the nineteen sixties. Uh, yeah, I was gonna say look at the nineteen look at the nineteen sixties psyop operations that the CIA was using. The CIA were using individuals that had psychic abilities to help ascertain information and win stuff in the battlefield. And this is actually undisclosed documents now. They are now declassified. I don't know what the operation was called, but the CIA did use psychics. Uh, and that within the agency to help formulate and strategize and win battles and foresee the future events. And, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of crazy, but the mind is a very powerful thing. The mind can manifest things that you wouldn't think would be possible. Manifesting yeah. visions, manifesting apparitions, manifesting sounds and movement, things being moved, things breaking, all those different things your mind can manifest. Yeah. A person who is, who is, plagued with these thoughts of having a demonic entity in their home or even being possessed by it um, often does more damage than the actual entity would if it yeah. were there. Um, yeah. and, and again, these things are being created by their own mind. And the only yeah. way to deal with this is not through an investigation. Well, an investigation would help, but an investigation alone is not going to help. Um, yeah. They need to get to the root of the problem. They need to see why. Am I having these or am I having this activity? What caused it? Um, you know, and if they can go back to when they were told that, oh, you've got a demon in your house, and then all of a sudden things started getting progressively worse months down the road or even weeks down the road, um, yeah. that could potentially be linked back to self-manifestation. Um, yeah. even, even people without paranormal activity occurring maybe they're just a negative person they're dealing with some stuff they're very depressed bipolar whatever they have all that negative energy around them and there's nowhere yeah. for that negativity to go that's why they say if you're going to have an argument have an argument outside of your house because that negative yeah. energy comes off in waves and it stays trapped in the four yeah. walls of your house it's going to stay there yeah. it leaves um, a, it leaves an imprint it leaves yeah, an imprint and, and it, it, oh go ahead no, I'm I'm done. I'm just I'm listening to you, man. I always love hearing you speak, man. It's that voice, man. Yeah. You know, your voice just calls it just calms me down. It puts me to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyway, um, the point I'm trying to make here is that 
that negativity has nowhere to go. And eventually it's going to kind of shift into something that is going to begin to cause you issues, whether that is hearing sounds that are unexplained or thinking you're hearing sounds that are unexplained or objects moving, things being broken, uh, stuff like that. Um, so self-manifestation in my mind uh, and in my experience has been a large portion of my cases. I'm sure the same would be with you as well. Um, I'm sure many of your cases have been uh, self-manifestation. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. Uh, but let me ask you this, though, uh, because I know there's going to be this question eventually That's I'm going to forget. Can self-manifestation actually lead into the actual demonic infestation can self-manifestation actually then lead into uh, a paranormal activity what's your opinion on that well let me ask you this when, whenever a person is self-manifesting something is it ever anything positive no it isn't yep exactly I'm, so what 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 are demonic entities attracted to negativity the opposite negativity of yeah. is negativity so yes i do believe that through a self-manifestation you can attract negative entities, not necessarily just demons, but negative enti entities as a whole. Yeah. Of course, that's a huge umbrella term with a lot of different things trickling yeah, down. Yeah. But the point is, is that, yes, self-manifestation, or I, I like to call them negative thought forms because, I mean, it is basically the same thing. Um, but negative thought forms, you know, they're going to attract more and more and more negativity. Um, whether that be through, you know, entities that are coming into your house or just negativity throughout your life. And it's going to latch on to you. And then your whole life is going to become full of negativity. It's important to to kind of keep that in check. Um, yeah. If you're having a bad day, get out of the house. You know, go do something. Yeah. Go watch a movie at a movie theater or, you know, go for a walk, whatever. De-stress because if you don't do that, there's going to be that buildup of energy that negative energy and it's going to be in your home and it's going to stay there until you get it cleansed. And it's that self-care thing. It is, it's, yeah. it's that self-care thing, you know? Um, and, and that's a very good thing uh, that you mentioned because um, quite honestly, this is important. And, and I just want to let the audience know that we are, are in no, we are in no way medical professionals. These are just opinions formulated on our experiences that we have encountered. Um, and so you did say something earlier uh, about human and human spirits. Um, you know, so people have this idea that, uh, you know, everything is demonic. And so I like to tell people that there is a difference uh, in, in type of activity. There's a difference between a spirit. There's a difference between a ghost. There's a difference between a human spirit and a human spirit. You know, I think for me, uh, you know, spirits are just transient energy uh, passing through. I think ghosts are different in the sense where they are in a repetitious environment. Uh, they don't know that they've passed on. Uh, you know, then obviously you, know, you have the human spirit. The human spirit can be stubborn in, it, in, its, in itself because with human spirits, we have free will. And so it's been my experience um, formulating this opinion that uh, human spirits can be a lot more stubborn to get rid of than an actual so-called uh, demonic uh, activity. Uh, what's, your, what's your thought on that? The exact same as yours, pretty much. Um, you can uh, perform an exorcism on someone who's demon-possessed or uh, perform a house blessing on a demon-infested home. Basically, you evict the demon. All you can do for a human spirit is ask it to leave. You know, Essentially, yeah. that's all you can do. Yeah. Um, I mean, you, know, yeah. you can't try and make peace with it or provide some closure for it, but really all you can do is ask it to leave, um, whereas the demon yeah. you can get out if you get the right people. Yeah. If you get amateurs, all yeah. you're going to do is make it worse. 
It's going to get worse. Uh, which actually uh, leads me to the next question. Carlos Nunez, do you believe in curses as a cause to paranormal activity? I 100% do. I 100% believe in generational curses, and I do believe that curses uh, can lead to paranormal activity. Uh, here's my take on that. So I am actually taking a course on uh, through the Vatican on um, objects that are possessed. And so I like to talk about the objects that, you know, um, that we encounter, right? So I do believe that curses uh, can cause paranormal activity, but it's been my experience too. For example, let's say you, let's say you're the owner and you have a ring and that ring that you have, uh, you cast nothing but negative energy on it, and that is your ring, and it's nothing but negative energy. But then when you die and someone sells it on a yard sale, at a yard sale, and that other person picks it up, then guess what? More than likely, that person may experience some type of activity uh, because the original owner and the original intent for that ring was nothing but negativity and sadness and depression. And so that's where I see that a lot of cursed objects have, uh, you know, have this effect on different people because the original owner had the true intention of that, uh, that artifact and that idol. And so let's say, for example, you pick up something at a yard sale. What I normally do is I like to bless it and pray for it uh, and make sure that whatever energy is attached to it, uh, whatever energy is attached to it, once again, whatever energy is attached to it is gone. Because uh, popular to contrary belief, you cannot possess inanimate objects, which is why I think people have this uh, confusion about the Annabelle doll. I don't think Annabelle is possessed. She has an attachment with her. But with that attachment, it's so dangerous, it has the ability to possess people. And so with that... Uh, that's my t that's my case on uh, curses. Uh, I know you didn't really say anything about you know objects, but it's been my experience that objects like these can cause curses. You know that is a form of a curse. That is a curse in a sense. You know you're transferring energy and you're transferring a, a negative action from one place to another. To me, that is a curse. Having an object that's uh, that's unholy in the sense passing it on to another individual that is a form of a curse to me uh but you know i, I might be wrong what, what do you think dalton again i would agree with you um you know and, and the thing is, is you don't have to be a witch or a voodoo practitioner oh. to curse an object anyone can curse an object because again if you are forcing your negativity on an object with the intent or without the intent to give it to someone else you are putting that negativity on that object again with the ring um, you're putting that negativity on that object. You're forcing it onto it. You're attaching that negativity to it. Once another person picks up that ring and wears it, or even probably just has it in their house, um, that is going to cause, you know, some, some activity, some negative stuff to happen. Am I saying demons? No, but just negative activity um, in general. <laughs> so No, no agree. I, I, and I'm glad you said that because everybody associates um, a curse or, or something in a sense with a demon. Um, it can be just that manifestation of the person's energy that's just trickling down that line and causing this paranormal activity. Um, but not everything is a demon. Not everything is a demon. Uh, I'd like for you to answer this question, uh, Dalton. Uh, from Ken Bolt, do you believe a spirit is seen as evil by a religious believer? It depends on which denomination you're a part of. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. If you're Southern Baptists, um, yes. Or just Baptists yeah. in general. Free will, yeah. about all that. Yeah. 
Yeah. Your deceased grandmother is a demon. You need to get her out of your house immediately. Um, Same thing here. And, and, Pentecostal and church also, grew up. There is no gray in between. <laughs> then, then, there, then there's also those uh, religious fanatics, um, unfortunately. Uh, I know one of them personally who believe in God and believe in angels, but can't comprehend and, and don't understand and just aren't willing to try to understand that the devil is real and that demons exist. They believe in the positive. Nope. But they don't believe in the negative. There's always a light yeah. side and the dark side, but they want to believe that everything's sunshine and rainbows. And it's not. And that's extremely ignorant. How can you believe in one without believing in the other? You may as well be, be an atheist. Um, yeah. I have no, a big It's true. Um, yeah, you know, same here. And and that goes and that goes to the false narratives, right? Because I grew up uh, so my grandmother, uh, one of my grandmothers was a high priestess in Santeria, which is a Caribbean practice based out of Puerto Rico, the Dominican Republic, and Cuba. And then I went to my other grandmother when my grandmother passed away, and uh, we grew up Pentecostal. But I always knew that I was always into the paranormal and the occult because of the stuff that I saw with my other grandmother. But it was always one of those things, man. You know, it's a demon. It's a demon. There is no gray in between. And and that's where we come in as investigators. And that's where we should come in all together in this field and help people understand that there is a difference. You know, you can throw all this um you can throw all this biblical text, all right, and 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 don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that the Bible isn't true. I believe wholeheartedly that the Bible is the, you know, the the word of God. However, you have to understand that there are traditions involved with, uh, you know, religious scripture, and you have to have understanding. You have to have a discernment. Uh, big example, right? So if you are a Christian and you believe in the Virgin Mary, then you know that the Immaculate Conception, right? We do know that, uh, was it Joseph, right? Uh, Jesus' dad. He was a carpenter. He was a devout Christian. He followed the Torah to the T. So based on Jewish traditions and Jewish customs, Mary got pregnant out of wedlock. By tradition, she should have been stoned. But because he had a deeper understanding and connection to God and the Holy Spirit, he went with it because when the angel of God showed himself, he understood what the message was. And see what I mean? If you take the Bible uh, strictly at face value and you go for it word for word and you don't let it talk to you or any other book in general, not just the Bible, you have to understand. You have to have that discernment. You have to have an understanding. You have to let the word speak to you and you have to let them resonate with you and you have to come with a formulated opinion. Um, and so, you know. Bible thumpers, right? You know, uh, psh, yeah, I used to be one of them. You know, you couldn't tell me anything. There was a point in time where I was like, no, 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 no. But unfortunately, that's not how the way things are. If you have a linear mindset and uh, you think things in a linear way, then that's going to inhibit mental and self-growth. So I implore everyone to go out there and, you know, read a book, right? But let the words speak to you. Um, and, and don't take it verbatim, each word. Let it resonate with you. And, and you're going to be surprised how much more you'll understand because it's easy to sit here and read a book and say, yeah, well, that's wrong. That's wrong. That's wrong. This is right. Okay, cool. But what does it actually mean? Which is going to lead me into the next question from King is holy water more effective is holy water, more effective element versus evil or prayer in itself. No, uh, prayer in itself, uh, is a very powerful thing. The holy water is just a tool, but, 
I will tell you this right now. It doesn't matter how much holy water you have and it doesn't matter, you know, how much you pray. If you do not believe in what you're saying, if you are just one of those persons that just recite a prayer out of tradition and don't mean anything you say, none of that, none of that is going to work. And, and that's the biggest things, right? Right. We get clients that say, well, I was praying and I was doing this and I was doing that and nothing's working. And I go, well, do you believe what you're saying? Uh, yeah, because the Bible tells me so. OK, yeah, the Bible tells you so. But do you believe in what you're truly saying? Are these words, is this prayer resonating with you? And it goes with everything in life, right? It doesn't matter what belief system you are. Uh, you practice in what you believe in and you practice your belief system and you do it with the true intention and, 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 and the true self-realization that this is what this really means to you, that this is really going to work and this this is true and you're putting your faith and your intention behind it. That's the only way any of these rituals are going to work. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, what, what do you got to say about that, Dalton? <laughs> uh, was, it, was, it, was it holy water in prayer? Did I hear that correct? Yeah, holy, yeah is holy water more effective element versus evil uh, or prayer in itself. Well, me personally, uh, I would I would honestly say it depends on what you have more faith in. Do you have yeah. more faith in the words that pass your lips, or do you have more faith in something that you can hold in your hand? Um, yeah. Faith is a big thing. Um, yeah. You know that, that's really that all I can I can really say about that. You know, if if you have more faith in your rosary than you do of your prayer, then yeah. okay. All right. Well, then, then, then your rosary would be more powerful yeah. than your prayer would. Um, yeah. But I, I think, kind of as a, a general thing, I, w- I would say that prayer would definitely be more powerful over oh. holy water. I agree with you. I, I agree. I agree with you. I was going to say I, I slightly have a different view than what you're saying, but now that you mentioned that at the end, that is true. Um, you know, once again, you know, a lot of these objects uh, that we have, right? These, these. Are essentially inanimate objects. It is the true intention that you put behind it. If you believe that the holy water is going to work, then you best darn believe that your prayer is going to work. Because uh, I believe, like I said, the holy water, the crucifix, the rosary, they are tools to help edify your soul and to help you uh, become more in tune with your faith. But I think they are also very helpful in 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 combating evil in a sense. But it's it's all about uh, intention. Uh, Nicole has a question: Isn't it true that women are also stronger in magic? Uh, I would like to believe so. Um, I don't know why, but I mean, it's for whatever reason, I would I would think so. No, no, I, I agree. Uh, we have wonderful women in the foundation. Um, uh, researchers, investigators, and even directors, uh, they are the most heartwarming individuals ever. They are so full of love. They are so full of passion. Like, you know, we have Katie, uh, we have Sarah, uh, um, uh, you know, oh my gosh, our regional directors. And we have other investigators like Stephanie Treadway. All of our female investigators, uh, they have this thing to them that most guys don't have. I think it's that nurturing spirit. I believe it's because they truly believe in their art and they truly care about genuinely helping people. So, yes, I, I do agree 
that woman in a sense. And and if I'm not mistaken, uh, you know, Wicca in itself, uh, it was a it was a feminine practice, right? Not feminine practice in a sense. So they are more in tune with nature in itself. They have more of a connection to heart, body, mind and soul. And once again, no discredit to any other male practitioners. That's not what I'm trying to do. But what I'm just trying to say is this is from my experience, what I've seen. Uh, <clears throat> mm, let's see what else we have, because we have <clears throat> about five more minutes, and I think uh, the show is going pretty well. Uh, Melissa, have you ever had a case on, have you ever heard of a banshee haunting? I can personally tell you that I have never heard uh, or I have never had a, a banshee haunting case. Uh, what I do know is the legend of the banshee is that if you allegedly hear if you allegedly hear the scream of a banshee, then that is supposed to predict some type of misfortune or some type of bad event, possibly leading up to death. But no, I have not uh, experienced uh, a banshee haunting. Have you, Dalton? I have not. I have not. Uh, I, I've heard the lore around them, but I've never actually worked a case involving one. Yeah. No. Uh, Nicole, is it rare to hear what it what a demonic spirit is? Is it rare to hear? Uh, in a sense, I, I think I can get a concept of the question you're asking. So your question is, do we know what a demonic spirit sounds like? Is that the question? Maybe you can clarify that in the, in the comments. Maybe she means. Uh, it, hang on, let me actually find her question again. Okay. Thank you, Melissa. That means so much. Uh, look, the honest truth is everything that we're saying on here is just based upon our opinions. And, um, you know, we're always learning. Uh, we're learning every day. And uh, we're grateful for this little group that we have on here just so that we can just talk about what we experience and what we know. Um, and so, yeah, thank you so much, Melissa. That means a lot. It's people like you that keep this show going. And even if it was one or two of you, we're going to still keep going because we want to give people our version of the truth or what we think our version of the truth is uh, from our experiences. Uh, Nicole, yeah, I had a demonic spirit say what it was. Huh. Okay. So more than likely, is it rare to hear what a demonic spirit is? Well, it all depends, baby. I think it all depends, um, you know, if you have psychic abilities. If you have psychic abilities, I think you're more in tune with the super natural realm so i think you're more and uh more inclined to hear what a demonic entity sounds like uh but uh there is the notion that there are human spirits too that give off demonic vibes to make themselves seem more powerful but they're not uh you know they just throw lies out there um in my personal experience uh, most demons um will not even tell you who they are until you do a proper exorcism and you command them to leave. But, you know, that's just my opinion. Yeah. What's your what's your take on that, Dalton? Uh, well, I mean, I would pretty much agree with you to the T on that. Um, there's not really anything that I can add that you haven't already said. I mean, honestly, our, our ways of thinking are very similar. Um, yeah. And that's why you're my co-host. And even yeah, though we have disagreements on the side and we talk trash to each other, well, we're still friends. We're family. We love each other. But we, our opinions always seem to align because, let's be honest, man. You know, we're just, you know, we're, we're brothers from another mother. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. Um, you may be my older brother, but I'm still taller than you. Yeah, a few inches. <laughs> uh, but yeah. um, you know, <laughs> no, you know, it's good because. You know, and naturally, naturally, in this inception of the show, Enter the Dark, was 
was brought to me by by Ross, right? I did an interview with Nicole, which is she is a phenomenal supporter, a great person. If you don't know Nicole, Nikki Gasper, you guys need to listen to her show. Also, the other guys like Adam Began and, and the rest of the Paranormal King Radio Network, all of our co-workers and colleagues, they have wonderful shows and they have their own interpretations of what the paranormal is. And so you got to make sure you stay tuned to Paranormal King Radio Network because quite honestly, you guys will be missing a lot, you know, um, yeah, granted, this show, we're not that famous. We don't have a million views, and that's okay with me. Uh, what I just want you to know, what we want you to know is that it's okay to have questions. It's okay to second-guess yourself. But more importantly, it's how you recover, you know, from the events that you're going through or, you know, whatever questions you have. You know, it's our job. I feel like it's our job to help people understand more a little bit of, you know, what the the paranormal is. Um, what do you got, Dalton? We got like three minutes left. Let's just, uh, you know, let's just let's just ad lib right now. <laughs> well, I, I was honestly uh, thinking probably uh, kind of talk about the next guest we're going to have on on what is it, uh, February eighth? Yes. February. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Oh, send it. Send it. Psychic medium or psychic Darren Owens, um, extremely gifted person, gifted guy, amazing. Yes. Uh, he continues okay. to surprise me every time that I speak to him. Um, he calls himself a reader of hearts. Um, he is yes. able to read basically your heart. <laughs> um, yeah. Read to, 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 to see deep into you. Uh, and I, I would believe more so than, you know, just your average everyday psychic. He gets really deep. Yeah. Um, and he is a member of yeah. the foundation. Um, yeah. But I, I think that his interview is going to be absolutely wonderful. I do have some questions that I'd love to ask him. Um, but I'd love for you guys to tune in on uh, Tuesday, February 8th at, uh, was it 7 p.m. Pacific time? Yeah. You know, and, and honestly, I'm excited to have Darren. Uh, the moment that I met him, I, you know, it was a bromance. I mean, this individual, he is, he is lighthearted. He is gifted. He is funny. Look, he's not your regular psychic, right? You know, what was funny about the interview is like, you know, people ask me all the time, Hey, you know, do I, you know, how can I get love and how can I get money? And you know what he said? He said, yeah, go get yourself a job. And that's how you can make some money. You want love, go on a date. You know, he's that type of psychic, you know? So anyway, Thank you all so much for tuning in to Enter the Dark. We are greatly appreciative of you. We are extremely humbled that you would all grace us with your presence, uh, taking time from your families at night. Uh, and once again, thank you for tuning in to Enter the Dark, and we will see you on February 8th. Have a good night, everyone, and God bless. Good night. Good night. Hey everyone, my name is Ken Torres. I am the host of Enter the Dark. This is a new show that is coming to the Paranormal King Radio Network on the second and fourth Tuesdays of the month. Join me as I interview the best in the paranormal and we're going to talk about many different things. Also along combined with my 15 plus years of experience, it's going to be nice to compare notes. So please, tune in. Paranormal King Radio Network. <laughs>